I'm Jane Wilcox, and you are listening to Shaclesiology, Girls Talking Church. Tell your girls a story, I won't tell you a lie. Anything you want, you can do it just fine. Come on. I'm here today with the sheet team. Besides myself, we are Jennifer Johnson, Chris Ann Swartley, Kim Ho. Hello, ladies. It's been a minute. Well, it's really been like four months, and I take full responsibility for that. I've gone through just a few transitions, both life-wise and vocationally, but we're going to get to that in just a moment. So let's do a little bit of catch-up since it's been so long. Uh, and I think at the most, I think we've texted like one or two times in the past few months. So we we know a little bit, but let's just do a little catch up. Hello. Hello. Sorry I'm late. That's the <laughs> most recent update in life is that I am late. That means you get to go first. Oh, that's a surprise. Are we going by category or how do we get the ball rolling? Okay. I've talked about how cloudy it is in Ohio, but that's about it. Um, I, in an effort to get things done today, um... Sorry, mom, but my mom gifted me one of those like arrow gardens that, was, those, that have like the lamp and have like those paws and it's supposed to like grow herbs. She gifted yep. me three years ago and An I arrow just garden? opened okay, it. Okay, you have to catch yeah. me up. An arrow garden. It's like, um, it comes with like a little light box and it's like to help people who can't water their plants in such a way <laughs> where they won't die and so it waters it for you and so I plugged it in and you fill like water into the box and you put these like pods they look like okay. Keurigs but there's plants inside hopefully it. it's been dormant in a box for three years and so in four to seven days we'll see if I have parsley if not I should either unplug it or I could just allow it to be like the brightest light in my living room. I plugged it in. I think I blinded myself for like five seconds. Um, there's also awesome. a water pump. And so now there's like a water feature in my living room that I didn't ask for. So every once in a while, I hear trickling water, which gives me trauma because <laughs> I had a pipe like leak in my house a couple months ago. And it took all summer to like rip out my wall, Ooh. replace a pipe. And so... In an effort to have green things, I might have also just given myself an unnecessary like water trigger in my living room. Um, but that's what I did today. I unboxed this three-year-old arrow garden I got from my mother. After three years. Yeah, I got there. I painted a wall today. Well, actually, nice. no, I prepped to paint a wall today because, again, it's so like cloudy in Ohio. And uh, whoever lived in the house last they painted the walls a deep red in the kitchen and there's only a tiny little window to the kitchen so uh it literally feels like 7 30 at night winter time whether it's 7 30 in the morning or not so i prepped the entire wall and when i'm done here i'm going to go paint it i'm so excited i'm going to paint it straight up white so you have to tell everybody like why are you in ohio what are you doing yeah oh so this is january 1st Right. So as of as of today, I'm officially a full-time professor of theology, Ashland Theological Seminary. Woo-hoo! Let's go. I know, I know. So that developed in the last month and a half. About November 15th, I got that news. Uh before that, Keith and I had decided that we were going to move after 30 years, almost 30 years of living in Levittown. 
in the anticipation of possibly getting a job at Ashland Theological Seminary, we decided <laughs> either I will teach at Ashland Seminary or I'm going to raise goats and chickens and sell eggs and milk on the corner. So one way or the other, we're going to move. We started the process in May of moving. We're packing up. We're going to go. By July, we were supposed to be putting our house on the market in early July. And about a week before we even got it on the market, someone wanted to come and look at it. And it was partially packed boxes, half painted walls. But this great young couple came in and they were super interested. And at that point, they wanted a less than 30 day close. So I don't remember what happened in the month of July. I also went to Grand Rapids and was moderating a, a conference that week. <laughs> Barely remember that. <laughs> I flew back and like four days later, we had to be completely out of the house. Uh, yeah. So that was the, um, that was like the beginning of the chaos. Cause then we didn't have a place to live in Ohio because the housing market is so bad. Great time to sell a house, really bad time to buy a house. We were waiting like two months for either to get a job or find a house, like nothing was happening. So the day before I was coming to Ohio in November for a uh, meeting, a house went on the market. I told a realtor, I'm going to be there tomorrow afternoon at 4.30. Can you get me in to see it? She got us in. Uh, Keith was on video. Um, and within 24 hours, they accepted our offer and we owned a house. Four days later, I had an interview at ATS, Ashland Seminary, uh, <laughs> while I was in Ashland. And then two days later, I got that job. I was in, in Ashland for like a week. Um, I bought a house and I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> Waste no time. Waste no time. So we officially closed towards the end of November. We've been going back and forth to Pennsylvania for the holidays, just for the sake of our son, just so he'd have some family around for the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and we have been in Ohio which is where we are now full-time since the day after Christmas. And I was teaching online courses at the time, uh, which means you record every single session, which is, it's great. It's great. That was great. That was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we're officially Ohioans and I am officially teaching full-time, which is just what I have been longing for since I got my degree in 2016. So yeah. So it why just took Ashland? seven years. Why Ashland? <clears throat> yeah. Mostly because I'm part of the Brethren Church and Ashland is uh the Brethren Seminary. Uh, so okay. we know quite a few people here. Uh I know some folks in the seminary, even some brethren folks that had taught there previously that are retired. Um so I'm in Ashland, Brethren people Brethren Hub, Brethren Seminary. Um, and so there's also a community here as well. So I, I, we didn't we didn't totally come to Ohio without knowing a soul. We actually know quite a few people, which helped make that trans transition. I think helped even make the decision to move without a job and without a house because uh, there was a community here. So have you had time to visit Layman's Hardware yet in Kidron? <laughs> No, do I need to do that? 
you need to do that, Jane. I've been telling you. I won't remember this. You know what, Chrisanne? My brain. <laughs> Unless it's like high priority, everything else Aww. doesn't stick. So where I lived during Easy. high school was Kidron, Ohio. I went to the Mennonite High School in Kidron. And Layman's Hardware is there. And it's it's just a place you have to see. It's all okay. like Amish kitchenware, barnware. Um, yeah. Nice. It's, it's like visiting Lancaster. Okay. So I, yeah. I will do that. Okay. Let me yeah. just say something about Ohio Amish. And I I know two of you are Ohioans. Ohioan? You were going to say, I know two of you are Amish. And I was like, this is about to take an interesting turn that I <laughs> didn't expect. Oh, not <laughs> It's for also, sure if, me. Yeah, it's for sure, Kim. Also, if I sound like Barry White, it's because I'm on day 73 of a never-ending oh. cold. And um, yeah, if you want me to like go down into my deep bass register and sing an R&B song at the end, we can we can Ooh. put that on the table. But anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I'd anyway, go ahead. I'd love to hear that. I would truly love to hear that. Talk about the Amish. Okay. It's kind of strange here in Ohio. I know there's a super conservative Amish group. They won't even put little blinkers on the back of their buggies for the sake of their own lives and the lives of their horses. But um, they they live like English people rather. And I, what who am I to judge, right? Because that's how I live. But like they have cars, they have really nice cars and trucks and they don't share them. It's not a shared thing. Like they own their own very big dually 250 truck with really nice fishing boats and really nice houses. And then the little buggy is in their garage. Weird. Like this young couple pulling up to go, go into the subway, pulling up in a Beamer. I don't know. <laughs> it's odd, but completely, you know, plain clothes, the hair, everything. Someone explain this to me. Okay. So let's play a game. Would you rather have to do like the plain clothes and the the hats and the whole that whole deal but you get to drive a beamer or would you rather get to wear like jeans and t-shirts but you have to drive a buggy uh, i would probably go with the beamer <laughs> yeah because it's heated it's heated yeah. yes yeah why it's did just the odd. amish always live in cold places it seems like the amish should have gone down to south carolina that's a great That's, historical question. Okay. Chrisanne, do you know? I mean, William Penn was, was pretty friendly. William Penn, you know, who originally owned much of Pennsylvania and was selling it off to oh, persecuted yeah. religious groups. So, okay. I mean, that's all I can think. And then from there, they spread out. But yeah, you would think hmm. they would have quickly gone to a more temperate location. Versus I always thought when I watched Little House on the Prairie as a kid, I was like, y'all know you don't have to stay in South Dakota, right? Like, y'all know, <laughs> like, you can go to Georgia and, and not have the blizzards and, like, you know, lose your feet. Like, you're allowed to move south, but nobody ever gave Pa the memo. So, anyway. Speaking of yeah. the feet, though, I definitely would choose Beamer and the plain clothes because I feel like the plain clothes don't apply to the footwear. Like It's true. I, I'm like, mm. I'm like, so where was the break where it's just like, no, we can do normal shoes, like everyone else's shoes, but we still have to like feed our car hay so it goes the way we want it, you know? So in 2018, I ran the half marathon in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, which is an yeah. Amish area. And there were Amish men running in the, there were no women because 
they, I, I don't know if they weren't allowed or they just didn't want to run in their dresses, but there were men running in their like overalls and their hats, but then they had ASICs on. It was the weirdest thing. It was also the only marathon I've ever been to that had a bake sale the night before. <laughs> well, and I, and right. so I will say this, some of the differences you see in young people is because they're not baptized members of the community yet. So they don't have to follow all the rules. But once you're a baptized member, then you are supposed to follow all of the rules. So some young people that you see like in the bright red shoes or whatever, it's because they're not yeah. baptized members. But the young couple with the Beamer, that usually when you're married, usually you're a, me a baptized member of the community before you're married. So that yeah. puzzles me a little bit. Yeah. I hope and people are diving into our podcast for a hard-hitting examination of the Amish. I hope that's right. what people came for. Because <laughs> here we are. This is what we're giving <laughs> them. So <laughs> what I really want to, if anyone knows, like, how they can live this dual value sort of thing. I would love to hear that. Well, I mean, we all do me. to a certain extent. It's just more obvious when you have a stereotype of the Amish. This is true. However, <laughs> if I'm going to profess this, then I'm not going to live that. So I, what I do to make sure to like the, to narrow the discrepancy, the gap is I profess less. <laughs> I vow to less. <laughs> So when I'm, you know, <laughs> it's called adjusting the margin of error. There we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Jen, I hear you got a new job too. I did. Is, is this your first day of your new work? Well, I mean, yeah, except I went out for Mexican food and laid around on the couch blowing my nose. But um, right. yeah, as of today, I now am the director of marketing and communications for University of Tennessee Research. What? So they are an R1 university um, nice. and they need, they, they need help getting the word out about that and all of that. So yeah, um, six years to the day at wow. my previous employer, which was a small Christian university. And so it's kind of been a weird season of just, I found out I got that job a week before you did Jane. So when we were doing our text catch up in November and you were like, Hey, here's my new job in my new house. I'm like, um, I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I got a new job too. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just been a really weird kind of transition. It hasn't been bad. Everybody's been really supportive and I intentionally had about six weeks of that transition. So I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to hose yeah. my team and leave things undone it's kind of weird to leave a job right before the holidays because everybody, mm. like everybody's checked out, right? Everybody's in holiday mode starting about December 20th, which also happened to be my last day at work. And so I, it's not that I expected people to care or whatever, but they really didn't care the week before Christmas. So I'm like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> um, I'll see you, Aww. but I won't, but okay. Um, so yeah, we all left for Christmas and then I just didn't go back today. Wow. Anyway. Here we are. Anticlimactic. I mean, it kind of evening. was, but it's also like, I don't want a big, like, mm. you know, parade or whatever. And my team took me out to lunch and was, they said very kind things and, and that was very meaningful. So it's all good. But yeah, tomorrow I start. So I feel like, I feel like that I have that first day of school feeling, you know, where yeah. you, your outfits all picked out and your lunchbox is already. And like, you Aww. know, you have your best fare and you hope everybody's nice to you. So here we go. Do not open your locker. I'm hoping so. Yeah. And I hope <laughs> yeah. somebody tells me where the bathrooms are and everybody's nice. And yeah, no, it should be good. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I wasn't really actively looking at this. It's a, kind of a long story, which I won't bore everyone with, but I wasn't really like looking 
for a different job. This one just kind of happened upon me, but it, it was the right time. Like it, it's, yeah, it was a good time. So. Hmm. So it's, is it a re particular research group at university of Tennessee or like all of the research that's going on? Like what's the, um, interaction between you and the research department? Right. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> ask me again in a month and I'll probably have a better answer. Um, but basically there is a whole office of, of research. There's a very robust research emphasis at the university. Like I said, yeah. it's a R1 university. So they're getting a lot yeah. of grant funding. They have a lot of um, graduate students. They have a lot of faculty who are engaged in research. And so there's a whole office of research, which has its own vice chancellor. Mm -hmm. And then there's the office of communications and marketing. And so I have a direct line to the vice chancellor of marketing, but I have a dotted mm -hmm. line to the vice chancellor of research. So, okay. you know, matrix, or matrix organizations are <laughs> fun. Um, but uh, it, so I will have to be informed and aware of everything that's happening in that space, but then I'll also be part of a marketing team that is system-wide. So it'll be really wow. interesting to see how that all shakes out. And, and it's going to be very different because I'm coming from a situation in which I told my husband last night, we were talking about it. And I said, it's kind of like the difference when I went to my previous yeah. employer, it was like a parachute drop in the middle of nowhere. And I had to mm -hmm. make fire and like you know, build a hut and whatever. And this is like, I'm being like driven into a village where there's already a culture. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, yeah. so um, there's good and bad, of course, to both. But the good part about this is I don't have to start from scratch. The bad part is I kind of have this entrepreneurial mindset where I've done everything mm -hmm. for the last six years. And so it's going to be a, it's going to just be a mindset shift for me to um, not be the social media manager and the video producer and the like, oh, there's actually people who do that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, it should be good. So you posted on Facebook when you announced that you uh, were switching jobs. Right. You used the word builder. You're a builder in terms mm, of vocation. Yeah. You just want to talk about yeah. that? I think it's just that as I look back at the pattern of my career choices, which have been largely haphazard. There's been little mm -hmm. pattern to them, but I keep finding myself in situations where there's a lack of clear processes or there's a lack of a team, or there's a lack in the case of my previous university, there was no marketing department at all. I was tasked with creating it and building it. And yeah. so I keep finding myself in these situations where I come in and I bring order and I bring mm -hmm. clarity and I create processes and I develop a strategy. And sometimes that's really difficult, but it's also kind of fun. I think I'm just kind of wired that way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that also kind of speaks to part of the appeal of this new job, but also kind of maybe my fears or my nervousness about it. Um, it is still an opportunity to go in and create something because it's a relatively new position and it's a small team and they, there's a lot of growth to go. Right. Yeah. But it's less, it's not, it's not the parachute drop. There's already some stuff in place that I'm going to have to figure out and submit to and all of that. So um, it'll be an interesting kind of next step for me. You know, not that I can't work within established structures. In fact, I'm excited about actually having colleagues instead of being like, you know, the sole person who's like, no, we're not going to make the mascot hot pink. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like to actually have somebody else who's already fought that battle, you know, um, but I do think that there's, I just see myself as somebody who can go into situations where, okay, there's no team, there's no 
direction, but we drastically need to reach mm -hmm. these goals or turn the situation around. So you've got three years figured out. And it seems like I just kind of keep finding myself in those situations without trying to. So this time I decided to be intentional about it and yeah. just go to one. So, yeah. 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 So I'm excited. And you, um, you pivoted the conversation to me, but also, um, you're going to be a grandma. Oh, I am. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, so wow. exciting. that's pretty cool. So, you know, I, on new year's Eve or new year's day, I like to, what Ignatian calls collect the graces. Love it. So as I was thinking about what graces to collect by going back on my Google calendar <laughs> to, as reminders, because so many things, I mean, you know, house, job, just all these changes. And then I'm going to become a grandmother next year. Didn't see that coming. We're also about six hours closer to my son and daughter-in-law. You know, you wake up at the crack of dawn and you're there by dinner time. So it's just exciting. Yeah. Or you I'm could fly. Grandma. I mean, there's a shocking thought. You could fly. We could. Yes, we could. <laughs> So what's your grandma name going to be? Uh, okay. So I really love Grammy or grandma, something like mm -hmm. that, but I'm open to suggestions. Some things I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of Mimi. I mean, it's adorable, but I just don't feel like a Mimi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank uh, I don't you. feel like no. a Nana. What's that? Mm -hmm. That Mimi um, or Ma, just no, so yeah. much. No. <laughs> yeah. We've now uh, offended all of our Mimis and our listening audience. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. You can edit that out. I mean, I think it's a matter of, honestly, as I go through these, you know, grandparent names, I'm like, does it suit me? Like, does it it's a personality fit? thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, I always joke with my son and daughter-in-law uh, because I have grand dogs. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm there, me and Piper... So Grammy and Piper watch the World Series or we go for a walk, Piper and Grammy. So it seems to suit me well, but you never know. I could, I don't know, something great can come along. Keith is going to be, I think Keith's going to be um, Pappy. I just love uh, Pappy. He hasn't agreed to it yet. <laughs> Chris Ann's like, no, no. Pappy. Pappy, then you might as well be Meemaw. Come on. No, I cannot be Meemaw. No. Does he have a beard or facial hair? Keith, no. I feel like if you're going to be happy though, you got to start growing it out like now. So it's substantial <laughs> by the time the baby comes. That's just, you know, to match the face to the name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's very exciting. exciting. Yeah. So exciting. But yeah. What, awesome. what month do they do? The end of June. Okay. Yeah. So I will be, I will be in Arkansas the end of June. Probably actually there, she's really at the end, end of June. So I'll give her a chance to have the child and, you know, get home. So July. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so excited. And that's close to Kobe's birthday. It is. Yes. Yeah. So we'll be able to be down there with him because we nice. couldn't be there last July. This is, this was the first July in his entire existence that we were not with him for his birthday. Oh, we were selling a house. We're saying you have a new job. Kim, you do. better have a new job when we get to you, or you're going to be like, you better, yeah. You have <laughs> you have ten minutes to get a new job. I have ten minutes to make up something really good. <laughs> so, yes, Koss, Pastor Koss, what's this new job? Yes, I do have a new job. So I am four months in on September. Well, I started in the office 
on September 5th. My first Sunday was September 10th. Um, as lead pastor or senior pastor, they kind of go back and forth on what they call me um, at Southerton Brethren in Christ Church. So very exciting. And yeah, so in four months, I've realized back when I was in seminary, 06 to 09, it was not cool to be a shepherd. Like everyone mm. wanted to be either when we talked about the fivefold ministry of the spirit, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelist, yeah. evangelist, right? Yeah. Everyone wanted to be an apostle or an evangelist or a prophet. Those were the cool ones to be. <laughs> um, and nobody wanted to be a shepherd. I am such a shepherd. Yeah. I like, I want to nurture the community. I mm. want to discover who's gifted and call that out and encourage that. And I, yeah, what brings me passion is mm. the shepherding pieces of it. Even when there's like, I need to have a meeting with someone or I need to go visit someone. Um, those are the pieces that mm. I find I really enjoy. And the pieces that energize me working with our leader team um, is fantastic. And the staff in the office. And you know what? That's good. It's good. <laughs> we need shepherds too. Who's going to nurture the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists, but a shepherd. Nice. So yeah, it's just, it's been interesting to discover that about myself. Cause I do remember, you know, we were all sitting in our classes and we were like, Oh, I'm a prophet. I'm going to speak truth to power or, Oh, I'm an apostle. I'm going to go start something new. And I'm like, no, I love the established church and I want to nurture the established church. So here I am. That's great. It's fantastic. So Christian, um, <clears throat> I know a little bit of your journey in getting to um, taking that position as senior pastor, uh, but you also pulled a Jane and you, you made some decisions to leave where you were before you had a job. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, so it happened in a very interesting way. I think it was actually back when my oldest, my husband and I have two kids and they're both young adult age and our oldest went off to college and our youngest is very independent and like not a needy kid at all. And especially once he could drive, didn't really need me in the same way. So yeah. Mm. So my mothering had entered this new season of more advice and support from a distance and I just started to feel restless and like I had more to give. So it wasn't, definitely wasn't a crisis at my previous church. I still love those mm. people. It was very good work. I learned so much from the pastor that I worked under um, at that church. Um, but I, yeah, just started to feel like I had more to give. There was more space in my life. I had more energy and I had more to give. So I started looking for... Um, lead pastor positions and interviewed a few places and actually found myself. I'm born and bred Mennonite. I'm a Mennonite pastor's kid. And I did not see myself leaving that world, but, um, I've ended up at still an Anabaptist denomination, but, um, yeah, moving to the brethren in Christ denomination. And so there are processes that I've already been through before, but in mm -hmm. a different denomination that I have to go through again. Um, but that's okay. I appreciate good process. And it's three miles from our house. How cool is that? Awesome. Ministering in my own neighborhood. I remember the weekly prep for sermons. 
<laughs> I, I felt like I didn't start soon enough every week. And then I'd still wait till like last minute because it would take forever for it to gel in my mind. Yeah. Weekly preaching is, that is, that is a job. <laughs> how many weeks, how many weeks are you in the pulpit? Is it like 48, 45, 50? Um, I, pr- the, I think the goal is for me to preach every five to six weeks. Oh, so. okay. So you have a team. No. So I also need to then find people. Well, so I will say this, our missions committee, our church supports six missionary, um, well, missionary singles or missionary couples. There's um, six of them that we support. So whenever they're in the States, we intentionally like to hear from them. And that happens. I, I think the missions committee, they try to have a missionary speak every quarter. Mm. So that would already be four times a year. Um, and then there are a couple of people within the congregation, like there's a former professor um, who can preach. There's um, a Zimbabwean pastor who can preach, who attends our church. So we have some others also. And then I have friends in the area who I'm like, hey, bro, can you mm-hmm. come and pull the fly? <laughs> yeah. So what does everyone call you? Meemaw. Right, <laughs> Pastor Meemaw. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> no, I mean Chris Ann. Yeah. What do the kids call you? Chris Ann also? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. it's interesting. So in writing, it's Pastor Chris Ann. But mm-hmm. when we're just talking, it's Chris Ann. Yeah. I haven't gotten them to call me Pastor Koss yet. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> when that happens, you've arrived. I have started signing some emails, though, either K A or K A S. Because it's just so much easier. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and is John figuring out the whole pastor's husband? You know, Keith jokes, and he he would just call himself pastor's wife. Uh, but but how's he settling into that? He's doing well. I mean, he does. He's more of an introvert, and obviously, is not there as much as I am. So it's, it's been a bit slower for him, but he really loves our Sunday school class and he actually led it twice. And there, there have been hints at a couple of places where he could plug in, but he just hasn't made that full transition yet. Yeah. I have to catch myself. Sometimes I want to like give him a little shove in a certain direction. Like, come on. But trying to let him find his own way and Ben too, trying to let, you know, right. with it being his senior year, um, kind of an awkward time to change faith communities, but yeah, they're fine in their way. Mm-hmm. So Kim, Pastor Kim, how's things mm-hmm. been the last few months? I think the last thing we talked about though, was you actually now have a title pastor, right? Is that right? Yeah. That happened in yeah. June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. That happened in, yeah, I think it was in June or something. Uh, it was, yeah, there's a title change. I remember getting a call. It's not it's not my lead pastor's fault. It's because I was away, either on vacation or I was on missions in Italy or something. But he called me. He's like, hey, I got to talk to you before you come back. And I'm like, am I getting fired? He was like, no. Um, <laughs> he's like, hey, I've been thinking about it for a while. And I don't see a reason why both me and our college pastor, mm-hmm. I don't really see why we can't make the title change now. 
uh so are like are you cool with it and i'm like yeah since it's happening in like 12 hours um But I'm gonna say no. yeah and i'm like this feels like a really awkward time to say no to that but i'm like yeah sure but so it was weird because afterwards it didn't feel different because like the day-to-day -day is more or less the same but everyone's like how do you feel about it um the first few months were really fun because in our culture instead of like pastor him we'll shorten a lot to like p him or like p irene so people were having a lot of fun to be like you know guys you're you're talking about like do you want to be me or grammy and you're like do you want to be pk are you p kim is it p kimberly you, do we not do the p is it pastor uh and so i was taking um name suggestions for the first month but i think we've settled on p kim which is great i can't i want it to be i wish i could be pk because it's like even fewer letters you know those email signatures can get really short but yeah, there's yeah. another pastor in our community and he is kind of like he's the one who founded our faith community and he goes by pk and i'm like i can never be pk like that's like if he went goes home to be with the lord like that name just gets like retired like a jersey you just like can't <laughs> play it ever again um i just like can't but the other problem is i i I didn't want to be P Kim also because people already think that I'm Korean and it's so disappointing mm. to have to tell Korean people that I'm not Korean. Like they just look really <laughs> let down. Uh, that happens to me like once a month. <laughs> the disappointment <laughs> in their eyes is really tough. Oh, so man. I was worried that when people would see my name, if I ever signed it like P Kim, they're going to assume that I'm Korean. Uh -huh. I'm like, that's fine. It's just, I have to prepare myself to disappoint strangers like over and over again. Um, and I just have to accept that. That's, you know, with great power comes great disappointment. Um, so yeah. <laughs> How did so the, the congregation it sound like uh -huh. your senior pastor was, had the authority or had the leverage to tell you that we're going to use the title pastor, but uh -huh. how did the rest of the congregation take that? Um, you know, I was really surprised because it happened at like a, a members, we had like a members lunch. Mm. We have them once a trimester-ish. And immediately after, you know, our, our college pastor wasn't there that Sunday, but they're like, be sure to like say something or like congratulate. But I was really overwhelmed by how many people made it a point to like, hey, congratulations. Mm. We're so excited. Mm. And I was really touched by that. Um, cause I'm just like, oh, it's just a name. It's, you know, it's like my name changes on the website. I'm like, cool. But the, the day to day is the same, but I was really touched by that. And I think, uh, yeah. And I felt really, I felt really loved and I felt really supported by that. Um, I think some people were really apologetic. They're like, Hey, it's going to take me a couple weeks to mm. like do the name change, but I'm working on it. And I'm like, it's cool. I've been Kim for the past Aww. like 13 years. It's really not. A big deal but like i was really touched by that like they really yes. wanted to make this effort to to respect the title change was it just the name change getting used to or that you had the title pastor that they had to kind of their their hearts had to kind of catch up with their head sort of thing it was just the name they, they didn't okay. want me to feel like they were disrespecting my title change mm -hmm. by not using it it yeah. was just reflexive it's okay. also because i'm literally the only kim at my church i think i've always been the only kim or kimberly at our church yeah. and yeah. so it's very easy to be like oh talk to kim everyone knows which kim it's me um <laughs>
it's like it's like they being don't have Beyonce. to distinguish talk to pastor kim versus no no kim. it's like being beyonce, being beyonce. Talk to beyonce. yeah <laughs> like first name only well obviously only. your first your first task in the new year is to uh win a bunch more people named kim to jesus in your church <laughs> so that you can ha- be distinctive among all the kims absolutely i Maybe don't get a few even... korean ones so that people can be happier too yeah honestly that would make everyone feel a lot better that would be good for the name but i have a i have one i have one friend and she refuses to shorten it and say p she she's like no no it has to be pastor we need to hear both syllables before your name (laughs) and she like makes it a point so she like emphasizes it real hard which like i really appreciate she's like it just sounds it just makes me feel good Mm. to hear it (laughs) <laughs> so a lot of support it's good but even you know i keep saying like oh the day-to-day hasn't changed but like the having the name in front though i'm like oh it definitely weighs a little different hmm. it definitely feels yeah. a little different like sure. the responsibility of that because before yeah. i would just tell people you know like people at the grocery store what do you do for a living oh, i work at a church i'm like that sounds weird i'm a pastor and i'm like i'm not lying but like kind of um, but now when I say it, no, this is actually, if you were to come to my church and you ask for Pastor Kim, they would, it would be me. And so, yeah, I think it's like settling into that a little bit. Oh, that's um, really important. Like when Chrisanne was talking about this is in like the gifting of like shepherding, I'm like, it's not a title. It's not just a title change. Mm-hmm. It is like a more formal acceptance mm-hmm. of this is my commitment to mm. my community and to these people not that i wasn't committed before that makes it it makes it sound like i was a, a delinquent <laughs> like i was just a slacker but oh no it like kind of sells out i'm like do i really not that i do do i really find myself believing that mm. now, talking about well, vocation do i really believe like this is what yeah. i'm doing i have noticed that too it's like you know if i had a question about something i would go into the lead pastor's office and be like Yo, Randy, you know, what do we want to do about question X, Y, or Z? And now people are coming to me with a question and I have to stop my, like, oh, that's me. I need to, I need to decide that. Okay. And then at the same time, I feel very protective of my congregation and not that Mm. like we are not under any kind of threat. I don't mean to make it sound like people are coming after my church, but I'm just saying if something would threaten our church in some way. I don't know what, I can't imagine what that would be, but I do feel very protective. Mm -hmm. Like this is my, these are my people. And so I want to make sure we're making the best decisions, Mm -hmm. like taking all information into account and really discerning prayerfully and carefully what we're doing, because I, I do not want my people to be threatened by anything. I feel very protective. Mm -hmm. It's kind of strange. I'm like, where did, where did that come from? <laughs> it was awoken. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. I think it's interesting that like, Kim, you, you've have been in a pastoral role. You do pastoral work in uh, the same with Chrisanne, but I think it's more than just the title, but it's an affirmation of the calling, right? And your community gives that to you, whether it's a PK or Pastor Koss or whatever it is. Um, it is the affirmation of that community that you're receiving. And and I think maybe the, y'all can speak into that, but I think that's the weight of it. 
they affirm you and what your responsibility and your calling is to them, to pastor them, to shepherd them. It feels like a sacred trust. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and to have like that feedback at this stage of the game, I think it's because if I'm like being super honest, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be a pastor for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what a five year plan is. I couldn't tell you honestly. Um, but for at least right now, I yeah. know this much, and if I know this much, this is how much I will be responsible and faithful and stewarding this mm-hmm. much for this time. Mm-hmm. This is like my second career in in life. I don't know if I felt that way when I was a speech therapist before I was in ministry because I felt affirmed. I still felt affirmed. Like my my church didn't tell me like you should be a speech therapist, but like in in the work that I did and who I was made to be, I felt affirmed in that. But without the without the knowing that like it can be different later on because it was my first job, mm-hmm. you know, out in the big wide world. But it, it kind of like makes me wonder, right? There are a bajillion other people with a bajillion other jobs. So then how do other people in other jobs get that affirmation for what they're doing? Because that work is, and is it not, it's not any less important, nor is it any less sacred, but, and still needs affirmation. So then where do people get it? It's a really interesting conversation in light of some of the ones that we have last spring and summer, when we were talking about things like vocation and calling. Um, And of course, at the time we were having those conversations, most of us didn't know we might be, we might've been working toward, you know, Chris was looking for a, a lead role, but you know, we're still the same people. Like we're still mm-hmm. us. And yet in significant ways, all of us have, are stepping into 2024 with some different, if at least professional identities, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and then in the case of Jane, it's, there's also going to be this, this new life stage, this new role mm-hmm. as, as Grammy or whatever. And I, I think we've been processing that out loud together in this conversation, which I think has been really interesting of just, Hey, I haven't seen you in three or four months. I have this entirely new situation in my life, but also I'm the same person I was the last time we talked. It's just an interesting um, reflection on holding intention. The fact that we do hold these pastoral roles or like in my case, this professional role we want to do a good job. We we want to do that with excellence. We hold that seriously. And at the same time, reala- realizing that those things are not permanent parts of our identity. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. hopefully, I mean, Jane's going to be a Grammy till the day she dies, but like, you know, I'm probably not, none of the rest of us are probably going to be in the same roles for the next 20 years, you know? They're maybe not massive transitions, but they're momentous. I mean, we are undergoing, whether it's life changes or vocational changes or geograph, you know, whatever it is, we are um, looking into a new year. We are the same people and we are taking everything that we have been into this mm-hmm. new place, new place, new job, new title, new work, new calling, whatever it is. I think something I've been thinking about as uh with like work and and being in the position i think something i've been realizing about myself is one how much how much external affirmation i have wanted and now realizing um how much of it i probably didn't need was it useful for a time 
is it like where the Lord, the Lord saw my neediness and I like, I needed that. Sure. I take that. But like going forward and to be like, who am I going to be right? More than just how am I going to do this job? How am I going to steward this? Well, it's like, who am I really? I think those things spoke to, oh, this is what you can do in this position or mm. women before you have suffered in this way or have been treated in this way. So now you have to be careful or you need to do something different. And I'm like, that's probably all well and good. That's probably not wrong, but it's not speaking to like who I am in this role. And I'm like, oh, I think I've like downplayed that a lot, like who I am and like kind of shortchanged how much of me is changing, how much mm. God also cares about who I am more than more than just like what kind of pastor I'm going to be. Mm. And so I, I was kind of thinking about it coming into this conversation tonight as people who have lived through more career changes or just lived through more of that process than me. It's like, how did you or did you go through that filter process of having to sort through how much of my job um, or what I'm learning about myself through my job do I keep? And how much do I throw away? And how did you discern how to filter what you're saying, Kim, really resonates with me because one of the thoughts I had as I transitioned out of my old job into holiday time was, I mean, I gave, I gave that job everything I had. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't do most things halfway and that was a challenging assignment, like I said, to come in and kind of create a team and a department from scratch and deal with higher ed culture, which was new to me. And the first 18 months I was commuting from Philadelphia and flying to Knoxville one week a month. Difficult. It was rewarding. I'm glad I did it, all those things, but it was challenging. And yet as I was leaving, you know, like I said, there were no, um, there was no big brass band parade. And I think probably the majority of people with whom I work have no idea of, you know, what I contributed or what I did. And, and let me, let me say, I think that's probably true of my perception of their work as well. Like it's not, we're all kind of ignorant. I think sometimes of what other people are contributing to keep the ship floating. Right. So it's not unique to me, but my point was just, as I was leaving, I was thinking, you know, we are all so replaceable in terms of our mm -hmm. job title. Like, you know, they will, whether it's a week or a month or two months, there will be somebody else who has that office and that title. And that's great. And we are all replaceable, but we're not replaceable as individuals. And so as I go into this new role, and as I think about, I was going to say the second half of my professional life, I guess if we're being generous, I still have half of it left. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but as I think about the second half of my professional life, I still want to kill it. I still want to mm -hmm. excel. I still want to do great work, but I'm becoming more interested in how I do it and who I do it with, mm -hmm. because that part is not replaceable. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I, today, uh, when some of my coworkers came back, some worked today, some did whatever, but I was getting, you know, email notifications and stuff. And I was like, I genuinely miss these people. Like, I don't want to go back and deal with that email thread, but I genuinely miss these people. Yeah. And you know, I, I want to have that at every place I work from now on. I want to have that spirit of not just that we're doing good work, but that we're doing good work together and that I like how we're doing it. And I like how I'm treating you. And I like mm -hmm. how we're showing up and we're being humans together. Um, 
that's just, that's probably one of the biggest things I learned from this job. Because before that I was a entrepreneur. I had my own business. I didn't have to, I mean, I dealt with clients, but that's very different. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this was just a real, um, good reminder to me that there's a lot of people who can do my role, my job, Mm -hmm. but for good or for bad, nobody is showing up as me in that space. And so that's, that's mine to steward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of it too, as I just think about these transitions and as I think about identity and vocation, it's, it's not an excuse to not do good work, but that's never been something that any of us have ever struggled with. We're all Mm -hmm. the people who want to kill it. Right. It's, but it's remembering to be like, bring our full humanity into it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's hopefully what my colleagues will, (laughs) whoever misses me, how short or long that list is, hopefully that's what is important to them is that I was good and hopefully kind and hopefully fair to work with. Yeah. Yep. Realizing in this transition is that I've been a shepherd no matter where I've been or what role I'm doing, but like, it's something deep within me that, that comes out. Like my favorite parts of being a mom weren't the traditional parts, but more like shepherding this human being. Like I, you know, I wasn't good at the little, little kid stuff. But as they got older and their personalities started coming out, I loved shepherding my kids as in like helping to form them as people mm-hmm. and bringing out the best in them and encouraging the best in them and helping them deal with the the not so good parts that needed a little more direction. But like, I loved being that shepherd. And I mean, same with youth pastoring. I loved being a shepherd to the kids. I maybe wasn't good at some of the other like administrative and event oriented stuff, but I loved shepherding. Um, and when I, when I worked with you, Jane, I loved like shepherding that little fledgling worship team like that. I mean, I liked that. Those were the parts that I was drawn to and it's what I feel is coming out even now. So in, in every role, there's like a core part of me that tends to rise to the occasion. Mm. And I think that's maybe to circle back to your earlier question, Jane, that's what I meant about being a builder, um, not in the sense of the generational sense, but of, in terms of the vocational sense is like, that's a part of me that just comes out, like whatever situation I'm in, I'm thinking of how we can tinker with it to make it better or how we can mm. do something different or what can we create or what aren't we doing that we should be doing or what do we need to be doing a year from now? And I would not be a good shepherd and, and they're both valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think one of the reasons I'm moving on is because it was my job had in the last 18 months had turned into more of a maintenance mode. Mm-hmm. There were still some new things to kind of challenge myself with, but it was kind of like, I don't want to keep this. And I'm not saying yeah. that's, I'm not trying to say that's what being a shepherd is. That's not maintenance mode. I'm just saying like the shepherd is, is much more significant than that, but I'm just saying there's room for all of those gifts around the table. Mm-hmm. They're all equally Absolutely. valid and knowing which one you bring. And, and to your point, Chrisanne, unapologetically in a room full of people who think that they're all apostles and prophets, which by the way, is because those get more attention and because they need that affirmation. That's why they all <laughs> want to be those roles is because they're up front and they're all unhealthy Enneagram threes, but follow me for more, follow oh, me for more hot takes. My heart, Jen. Jeez. I know, I'm sorry. Well, you're on, you're a healthy Enneagram three, right? I don't know. Oh, okay. Gosh. On her good days. 
Well, I, on my good days, I'm a healthy Enneagram one. And on my bad ones, I'm a, I'm a critical one. So we can just True. do a, yeah. we can do a quarter toss of which one I am today. I have a cold. Okay. Um, <laughs> my, my point is just like, there's, there's room for both. And I think part of that identity and vocational conversation is unapologetically owning which ones you are and then just killing yeah. it because they're all needed. You know, yeah. I mean, if you just had people going around starting stuff and, and, um, and trying to get who that's how's that gonna go like it's you're just gonna have a lot of half-built things laying around that nobody's taking care of you know so anyway that is so true and you know what I, I think it's also part of your entrepreneurial spirit right you drop in with a parachute you start the fire you get it that's just who you are and you probably start to get bored <laughs> when mm-hmm. you're no longer need to do those things right when they are, when the machine is running well, yeah. I am, I'm not really leaving a job because I've adjuncted for so long, whatever, 12, 14, however long it's been, it's been more than a decade. Um, so I'm doing the same work that I have been doing, but what I realized, particularly when I was interviewing at, at the seminary, I get to be a part of an academic community mm-hmm. and I I just adore all of them. I, I know some more than others, but most of them, I don't know. The refreshing part, I think probably for any adjunct that any person that, that lived in an adjunct world for too long is you never really get to be a part of that academic community. You, you, you are. Yes. Right. You know, you're, classroom supply, right? Not public supply, but classroom supply. And for those that made a way for me to do that on a very regular, consistent basis, I am always grateful Um, and was even shaped by them, learned from them. But now I get to contribute. I think that's probably Mm -hmm. the best way for me to think of it. I get to contribute to that community. Um, I get to bring myself and I'm certainly more of a prophet than I am a shepherd, but I I can, in the classroom, I can speak challenging things and I don't have to wonder if I'm going to lose, you know, the opportunity to teach again next semester. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if you're one of those congregants who don't like your take on that passage that week. Right. Not that that ever happens at a church, but never, no, never, (laughs) nah. Yeah. The new, what I, the new thing for me that I'm going into is being a part of that community and just so very much looking forward to contributing to it. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. See you ladies. Have a great night. Thanks again. Appreciate you all. Appreciate you. Bye. Keep killing it. Thanks a bunch for being a part of our listening community. You can show us some love by hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to our podcast. You can learn more about us at our website at girlstalkinchurch.com. And you can also engage the She Team and other listeners by joining our Shaklesiology podcast community Facebook page. See you there. Oh.